Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sheila Seppi, and welcome to the Conscious Awakening Series. My intention with this podcast is to support you on your spiritual and cosmic growth. Now, you're watching us on the Conscious Awakening Network, so please check us out on our website, ConsciousAwakeningNetwork.org, and sign up to be on our mailing list, where each week you're going to learn about a ton of amazing programs and events that we have going on. Now, to Today, we have an amazing guest with us. That's Tina Irwin. Now, Tina is an author. She's a psychic, a medium, and she extends compassion to those who have crossed over as well as the families that are left behind because this is a very critical juncture when people have left their body and crossed over to the other side. Tina has studied metaphysics her whole life. She has written eight books, and she is here today to share a little bit more about her life. But more importantly, I want to let you know right off that Tina is somebody that gives hope to people about the afterlife. So welcome today, Miss Tina Irwin. How are you, Tina? I am doing great. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here because, you know, when I read your bio and then a little bit that we've gotten to talk before the show, um, the passion that you have for helping humanity whether they're on this side or the other side of the veil is just very commendable. And I was wondering if you could go ahead and share a little bit about yourself and tell people, you know, how you've gotten to where you are today. Well, thank you for having me on your show. First of all, I'm, I'm very grateful for this opportunity. I, I started out like a lot of people with a little psychic ability as a kid and, and you don't know that everybody can't see what you see or <laughs> hear what you hear or your mom doesn't notice that, you know, your your invisible playmate is a ghost. And when yeah. you know the ghost doesn't go with you and your playmate right. vanished, um, but, and, and, and it, you know, it would come and go. But when I, I got out of college, I went to UNC at Chapel Hill great place to uh, get a degree. And I joined the Navy because in the seventies, cause I'm ancient in the seventies, uh, it was very difficult to be able to find a job without being a martyr and, you know, screaming about equal pay. So, but the Navy pays everybody the same. Right. And I thought, gee, you know, I really want a husband. So I joined the Navy to, to find a <laughs> husband. And I found my husband the very first day at my very first duty <laughs> station. And we have been together 50 years. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And he's still Superman to me. Oh. And when I married him, when I met him, and this is, people talk about love at first sight, but what if love at first sight isn't just a recognition from a past life that, oh my gosh, I found you again. You're so familiar. And we met in March and we eloped in October I was engaged to somebody else most of that time, and he was at sea most of that time. So we only really dated three months. It's like, yep, time's up. We got a lot to do. We need to be together, and we eloped. And, I mean, for two naval officers to manage to stay together through 20 years of careers was a lot to, to ask. Yes. But as soon as I married him, it's like somebody, you know, just took the lever and shoved my psychic ability into high gear. 
and all kinds of things happened. And it's as if he he's looking at me like, whoa, who did I marry here? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You're not ever going to be bored. That's right, honey. I have a good time. That's right. He's like, honey, I forgot to tell you something. <laughs> I did. I forget to mention that part. Um, but I saved his life numerous times because wow. it's, you, you know, that feeling. But I, but when you have psychic ability, you also have an opportunity to encourage other people to listen to that still small voice, right. to pay attention. And I mean, I, I spent 20 years, both of us worked for the submarine force for 20, for he was in 24 years. And when you deliberately submerge your ship, uh, you know, uh -huh. every ship is a billion dollars. Think about that. Every submarine is at least a billion dollars. It's full of weapons. You had better feel it. You had better know your crew. And the longer I worked with the submarine force, you know, 99% men, the more I grew to have a deep and abiding respect for the psychic ability of men. And oh. they would tell me their stories. They would tell me their feeling. I had, and some of the stories these men tell about how their psychic ability, and they don't use that, it's a gut instinct. I mean, I need to be accurate in my terminology. I had a feeling, I had a yes. gut instinct about it, you know? Yeah. I'd feel it in my soul. Right, right. You could feel it, you listened. And I, there's several cases where because they listened, they saved an entire crew of wow. men and, you know, kind of collecting some of these stories enabled me to understand everyone's psychic. You can't drive a car without being psychic and, and relegating that, that still small voice to some woo woo, you know, new age thing is not accurate. And I think it's time that is corrected. You mm. cannot drive a car and, not be psychic you can't be a good parent you can't be a good friend and you can't be really good at your job unless you that, feel what is going on around you yeah. that is psychic ability and when you start applying it in a practical sense that's why one of my trademarks is teaching the physics of metaphysics when you start embracing that there's action and reaction then you begin to see to be blunt the hand of God in all things. Yeah. Then you begin to develop your connection to the divine, not to spirit, but to the divine, to God. Right. And I've used that word out loud. And, and I'm saying that because it, the more we are connecting to the higher realms, we're asking God to help us. We're asking for angels. The more we're doing that, we are shifting our frequency to higher and higher levels on a daily mundane level. Yeah. And I watched I watched really good people who really cared about their crew members grow and change as they were willing to embrace that. And you know, I I was a female executive officer. I you know, I had command of things and by teaching the crew not psychic ability but you know, you have a feeling, tell me about that. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you sense. Everybody, we need to pay attention. Why does this person feel this way? Let's look at the logic trail. And what that did was it opened up other people to feel like they could 
share or be honest about, I have this really bad feeling about this, you know, commander, what do you think? Or it also opens you up to hearing people on another level. And I'll give you an example. I was the uh, executive officer for a submarine training facility and we trained people in advanced sonar and radar and firefighting and damage control and everything you can imagine. And I had a, a sailor, a huge guy. I mean, he's muscles like this. And he just beat the tar out of his wife all the time. Oh. So the Navy, you know, we did what we we're supposed to do. We follow the book. We sent him to the psychiatrist and we sent mm -hmm. him to anger management classes. And one day he comes into my office and he sits down and he says, Commander, what's the big deal? So I beat my wife. You know, nobody's perfect. And I wanted... I wanted to leap off across my giant desk and strangle him because I'm, I'm human. <laughs> and then I got really quiet and I heard this still small voice say, but wait, this isn't a bad man. Something else happened. Listen. So I said, petty officer, whatever his name was, did your daddy beat you when you grew up? Yes, ma'am. He beat me, but good every day. And did your granddaddy beat your daddy? He said, yes, ma'am, he did. My daddy got beat. He used to talk about how much he got beat. Mm. And I said, and then he got, I didn't say anything. He said, doesn't everybody get beaten when they grow up? And I said, no, it's called assault. It's cruel. And you're beating your wife. Are you going to beat your little girl too? For a thousand years, Everyone's going to be beaten if you don't stop it today. You can change your karmic path and the karmic path of your entire legacy into the future yeah. by what you decide in this moment. Mm -hmm. I don't believe you're a bad man. Right. I believe you have the power to change your future and that of all of your future generations. You just have to have the courage to be willing to change. He, it's like he had never, no one had ever explained that to him in that way. Mm. And I would love to tell you that miraculous things happen, but he got transferred within two weeks and I never saw him again. And this is another element of the spiritual path, right. which is you can have an interchange an exchange with another human being. Yes, he worked for me, but it didn't matter. I was, yes, I was his boss, but I was someone who cared about him as a person. He wasn't a bad person. He just had a tough childhood. But he was an intelligent man and he could change it. And he could hear me in that moment. Right. And then he now had a choice. So it's interesting to see that you can use your ability as you're listening. I swear, if somebody was talking right through me and know you know what that feels like to help this man instead of being angry and screaming and doing what his family had done, do something differently, back off a little bit. So anyway, but the Navy taught me many things. And, you know, one of the other things that happened to me was we moved to Charleston, South Carolina. We lived in Italy for three years and man, that's a great shopping place. <laughs> and I bought something every day for three years. The whole economy dipped when we left. Oh. But, um, we moved back to Charleston, South Carolina, and 
everything in South Carolina is haunted. I mean, you've got yes. every kind of war you can imagine. And, you know, from 1812 and revolutionary and civil war and slavery. And I mean, you name it and it's haunted. So we bought a house that was 18 years old and I didn't know anything about predecessor energy, not a thing. And it didn't seem haunted when we bought it, but when we moved in, it was the ghost from out. Of, and I wrote about that. I've got three books out on ghost stories from the ghost point of view. And the very first story in book one is about this ghost. And he nearly drove us mad. He, he would knock on the walls and run down the hall and pretend like he was doing dishes in the kitchen when we were in the bedroom and terrify us. And we'd wake up and all the doors and windows were wide open and the alarm was still on. Go figure that out. And it nearly drove us crazy. <clears throat> and I didn't know how to cross over a ghost. I had no idea how you did that. So I called the Duke School of Parapsychology, Duke University School of Parapsychology. And they said, oh, we have no idea how you cross somebody over. Oh, no. And I thought, this cannot be this hard. Why does everybody I know have a ghost story? Why is all of Archdale Plantation where we lived in Charleston haunted? One woman would come down and every morning and all of her furniture was rearranged. She moved. Another man heard horses all night long. Another woman would come down and a rocking chair was in front of a blank wall, like there had been a window there. Um, my neighbor would had all kinds of things happen. And what we realized was the Archdale Plantation had been on that spot that went back to the 1600s. And mm -hmm. they were, they were, it was a big, it was a big plantation near the Ashley River. And I mean, we had predecessor energy on acreage and they were just having a really good time and i didn't know how you cleared predecessor energy so mm -hmm. i made it my business to learn how to clear predecessor energy and how to cross over the dead and along the way i ended up learning by accident how to do remote viewing and everything else so every time i turned around psychic ability would be increased and then my knowledge level would be increased because I studied everything I could get my hands on. I was nonstop mm -hmm. reading because it's, it's not enough to have psychic ability. You have to decide what are you doing with it? If you're just flipping right. pretty cards, you're not really helping anybody. You're telling somebody's future. You're creating realities. So what do you do with your psychic ability that is a true spiritual service? that really helps that person in front of you on a deep and profound level. And I had to figure that out. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say that it was handed to me on a, you know, a silver platter, but it was something that evolved over time. And through an unusual chain of events, I crossed over someone who tried to do something really bad to me. And mm -hmm. I learned how to return the energy because you have a right to protect yourself. Right. And it's not, there's all kinds of magic out there, but the best magic is love. Yes. And you have a right to protect yourself and hold on to your own energy. And I learned how to do that. And someone was trying to do something really bad to me. And I took, and he had given me his business card. So I took his business card and I took aluminum foil, shiny side facing, 
and I sprinkled salt on his card, mm -hmm. which neutralized negativity. And then I just wrapped that foil. The foil acts like a mirror. It returns the energy to the sender. Now, if somebody's sending you blessing and prayer, man, are they going to feel like a million dollars. But if someone is wishing you harm, you really have to protect yourself from that. Right. And this is the simplest, easiest method. You're not intentioning it to harm the person. It's just like, you know what? I'd like you to keep your energy right. in your space. And, and isn't it amazing how as we go through life, we learn these little protective mechanisms because I had to learn the binding ceremony from someone that I thought was a very uh, powerful spiritual elder only to find out that their energy was actually the opposite right. that had worked with me long enough to gather energy. Now, you know, starting out very naive about all of these things. Uh, but as you go along and as you become more sensitive and aware to your environment, you become open. And I truly believe that your divine source energy gives you information to help you. Like I'd never performed a binding ceremony. I didn't know what that was. But encapsulating her, kind of like in the tinfoil that you're talking about, surrounding it with unconditional love. So everything she sent hit that but came back to her in love. Everything started shifting and changing yeah. in my life. And so, you know, I think these little techniques, you know, we need we need a book of techniques. You know, if this I'm writing that if this. Oh, good. I want a copy. <laughs> That good, good job, because I think that kind of information is so invaluable to people that people are used to seeing with their eyes exactly. and not seeing with their hearts or their third eyes. And exactly. I love the fact that you were talking about the men in the military had the feeling and that they went with that feeling. And the other thing I have to say before we continue, hats off to you, sister, because there is no way I can ever go down in the submarine, I'm just thinking, whoo, you know what? Kudos to you. And, you know, and kudos to you for being that ear. Because I bet some of these men had never shared that with other people. I think that's an astute observation. I'm a good listener. Mm -hmm. And if you use your psychic ability to listen on higher levels, you're hearing something else the person isn't saying with words. Right. And I, if you want, I have another fascinating story. Oh, sure. I love um, stories. I was, my husband and I were first married and we were living in bachelor officer quarters in New London, Connecticut. And there's some really cool guys who lived in, you know, the BOQ, bachelor officer quarters. And one guy came in and he said, weirdest thing happened to me you know we were at sea and this feeling came over me so a little background there are two kinds of submarines well, actually there's three kinds but mostly the fleet only has two right now ballistic missile submarines and they have the 24 missiles like you saw in the movie hunt for red october mm -hmm. and then you and they are they go on patrol with a, a patrol package oh uh, they're called pad orders, patrol orders which they don't open until they hit the 100 fathom curve and they're well at sea. The other kind of submarine you have are fast attack submarines and they do a variety of super secret things all over the world. Mm -hmm. 
and they can be gone months and months at a time because the reactor never has to be filled. Well, they do trial runs and practices and off the coast, off the east coast of the United States, you have something called the tongue of the ocean and it's this big V. And they do, you know, a lot of different training exercises. So this submarine, this fast attack, thought that they were running parallel to the walls of the tongue of the ocean. They were running perpendicular. Mm. How that happened was the source of the investigation. But this guy was a lieutenant and he is in his rack and he wakes up 20 minutes before he's supposed to become the officer of the deck. Mm -hmm. With this panic, he leaps out of bed, runs to control and says to the watch, I relieve you. And the guy says, oh, you got what, another 30 minutes or so? Go back to bed. He says, no, 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 I relieve you right now. And the guy says, dude, I stand relieved. <laughs> and he, he looks, he says, right full rudder, all back full now. Now remember, he doesn't have anybody's permission to change course. He didn't ask the captain, the navigator, the chief of the boat, where he would have consulted. He didn't ask anybody. He just said, right full rudder, all back full now. So that when the submarine plowed into the side of the mountain, it was a glancing blow. Mm. And he saved the lives, I think, of 140 men. Wow. And I saw that submarine in dry dock in New London. And it looked like aluminum. You know how if you take aluminum foil and you crunch it up, mm -hmm. it looked like someone had punched the side wow. of the, the submarine. But Electric Boat Division builds built that submarine with something called high yield or HY80 steel. And I love the technical part of the submarine force. I just dearly loved that. And this guy, of course, was court-martialed because he didn't follow procedure. But he was exonerated because he saved everyone's life. My. The captain and the navigator and the XO were relieved for cause because they couldn't figure out how the submarine could be so off course. And I, I don't know how they ended up off course. That part was so classified in, in the records, mm -hmm. but they did. But he knew, and my feeling is they weren't supposed to die that day. And it was his job to save them regardless of whether it destroyed his career or not. It may have been that his entire purpose was to be at that place at that moment to save all of those men. And he did. And this right. happened in um, 1974. Wow. You know, one of the things I think is so important is um, for people like you and others who are bringing these stories forward, but also making people realize that we're much more than what we're seeing in the mirror every day. You know, we have this emotional body. This emotional body has all these kinds of functions, just like the physical body, the, exactly. you know, the astral body, the causal bodies, we have all, and these are truly resources that if we could learn how to tap into that, I believe that we could change pretty much anything we wanted to. Oh, I, I absolutely agree with that. And when he sat down and told us this, I was just riveted yes. with that with that information. And you know, over time, various guys would tell me other things. I had a captain of a submarine say, 
I knew we were going to have a collision. I knew it for months we were going to have a collision. I documented all the things that I needed to take care of so that we wouldn't have this collision. I notified every authority that this guy was incompetent. I needed a different navigator. But we still hit that Russian submarine. We still yeah. hit them. And he and I were carpooling back and forth. And uh, he was a really good guy. And he said, you know, he says, I've gone over it a thousand times. I knew it was coming. I could feel it was coming. I did everything in my power to stop it, but I couldn't stop it. Well, that was a huge lesson because sometimes things are going to ha happen right. and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Right. And accepting what you cannot change doesn't mean you failed. It right. means that you saw it coming and your conscience is clear because you did everything you could to stop right. it. Right. And I think not punishing yourself for what you perceive as a failure but is more of a lesson and an opportunity to do what you can do. The lieutenant saved the whole ship. Now this captain had put things in place so that when he hit the Russian submarine, it wasn't as bad. But obviously it's an international incident. You're right. not supposed to do that with each other. So in the movie Hunt for Red October, which um, was filmed using some of my crew members, was filmed oh. off the coast of San Diego. They, what was fascinating in that film, they also showed this, that the sonarman had a feeling and yeah. he didn't know if he should tell the captain of the Dallas, which was actually the La Jolla in this movie. But anyway, and the captain says, tell me what you feel, not what are you hearing? Tell me what you feel. Tell me what you think is happening. And so the captain in this movie listened to him on another level. And it shifted everything. It changed their entire course because that's what happens. Really good captains, really good leaders listen to those around them on another level. What are they hearing? They don't call it spiritual stuff. That's that gut instinct. But these people are listening I think that's really important for people to understand because psychic ability used on a practical basis in real world scenarios saves lives and can shift entire paths. Mm -hmm. So exactly the things that you're saying. Right, right. You know, and one of the other things too, you know, being a walk-in myself, I have memories of being on the other side. I have memories of the soul slipping out of the body. I have memories of soul coming into the body. Those are very firm. You know, if people believe in reincarnation, they know that they have had many of those experiences themselves, but I just came in with certain memories. Um, one of the things that I really like to preface to people is there is no fear in the death process. It may not be pleasant getting there, but that death process itself is a gateway that opens and actually takes us back to the true reality. And I was wondering if you could speak about that as well, because I know you've had many, 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 many near it, um, experiences about this. Yes. 
when my brother died in 2017 and he was, we were truly soulmates, been together for, I can't tell you how many lifetimes. He looked at me and, and he said, what's going to happen? And this is actually a video where I answer this question. And he said, what's going to happen? I said, what do you mean? He said, when I die, what, what's going to happen? And I said, well, this is the process. It's like someone turning the lights out in a building. The body is just a corporal vessel for the soul. And all the body systems start to shut down. This process is the same, whether it's an instant death or it's a prolonged death. The body systems start to shut down from the extremities to the core. And the heart is usually the very last thing to go. And what lives in your soul is the seed atom of the soul. And it's what houses your Akashic records. What is an Akashic record? And I take a moment to explain this. Mm -hmm. The beginning of the word Akashic is A-K-A, Aka. That word is derived from Kino Aka substance that comes from your solar plexus. You know how we have a connection to people? We have a spiritual connection on another realm called, uh, called Aka cords, AKA. They emanate from your solar plexus. They connect you to every place you've ever been, every person you've ever met, everything you ever touched, every experience you've ever had. And that connection creates your Akashic record. And that record lives in your heart. So when the body physically dies and the last breath is taken and you flatline, however the, the, the end comes, then the soul starts to exit the body through the crown and the Akashic records, the records of all that you have ever been goes with you. And in a, in a moment of emotional sound and light and feeling, you see your life pass before you. You see the most amazing moments of love or hurt or pain and you get to see it and feel it in this flash, like a like a video that goes so fast and you see it and feel it. And then you leave the third dimension, which is the place of time and space and gravity and the physicality. And you move to what's called the fourth dimension. This is a place of no time, no real space, and certainly no gravity. When you're in that space, you can travel with the speed of thought. And you end up ricocheting among friends and family members as they're thinking of you. When my mother died in North Carolina, I was in San Diego and I could feel her in my kitchen. I knew she had, I knew she had left her body. And that was a that was her time of death. I could feel her. I said hello and I I did cross her over. And when you are in that fourth dimension, most people see the light come for them. And in the movie Ghost, which was an amazingly accurate film, Patrick Swayze sees this shaft of light. However you see it, it can be this golden arc that beckons you. It can be a variety of ways. Move into the light. But a lot of people don't know that they can do that. They don't know that that light is for them. And having talked to thousands and thousands of the dead, of ghosts, a lot of them say, well, you know, I was, my pastor said I was born in sin and died in sin and God couldn't love me. I said, but you went to church four times a week and twice on Sunday. 
how could God not love you? I, I, God couldn't love me. And I said, well, I'm going to give you a, a different view. God loves you no matter what. You are loved beyond measure. Yeah. You see that light? You're going to feel a warmth of love and compassion of healing every element of your soul that will lift you to levels you cannot begin to imagine. And the souls you have known and loved will greet you and then if, if you have questions about your life, you'll sit down with counselors of divine wisdom. You'll sit down with the great ones and you can ask them about your life and no one judges you. No one finds fault with you or criticizes you. They sit down and they help you understand the life just lived. There is no learning in perfection. There is learning and we all are going to make the mistakes and reincarnation is the, gee, if I had it to do over, you do. And the more you learn, the better it is. But a lot of people don't cross over because they don't realize that they can or mm -hmm. that it's not a punishment to go into the light. And that's why I wrote a book called the, uh, the Crossing Over Prayer Book, primarily because I wrote a book, a prayer called The Crossing Over Prayer. Because, okay, big deal, I can cross over the dead, but I'm not going to be here forever. I mean, if I were abducted by aliens tomorrow, somebody's got to know how to do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you shouldn't have to pay a medium to help you with right. your relatives. You should be able to do this yourself. And in 2012, it's a story how I came to do this. I took a little dictation, shall we say, and wrote the crossing over prayer and tweaked it. And it has been used all over the world. I have a guy in Belgium who takes the crossing over prayer. And on ghosthelpers.com, you can actually order these are crossing over prayer cards. And on the back, it has directions for the living and the dead. And what happens is he would walk through cemeteries. He'd walk through battlefields. And he'd say the prayer over and over and he'd hear all these little thank yous and he would feel this, this like someone squeeze his arm in gratitude and this light would open and he, he could feel this. He had a, I think he had a level of autism and he, his, his sensibilities were, and for him, a little more heightened. Mm -hmm. And when you cross into that heaven world, Let's say you had a really hard life. You felt like everything you touched didn't work. I hear this all the time as with clients. Isn't it be wonderful to talk to someone on a higher level who can be of service to you? But what you might ask happens if someone takes their own life, mm -hmm. if they commit suicide. And the answer to that is they receive enormous compassion no one sits in judgment of them and i hear people say well you know you you take your own life you go straight to hell they're like not exactly true if someone takes their own life and i have the compassion prayer for suicide in the crossing over prayer book and it's also on ghosthelpers.com some of the basic big prayers are free on those websites anyone can 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 use them you cannot comprehend that person's pain. Yeah. That person doesn't need your judgment. 
that soul needs your compassion. When you cross them over, you are giving them the compassion you would want for yourself if you were in such enormous pain. Right. And when a per a family member, a neighbor, a friend, a child, a teenager takes their own life, there's this feeling of complete failure and helplessness. And I've worked with many a parent, a family member that this has happened to, and I, I offer them these thoughts. You cannot know their pain. It doesn't mean you failed. Mm -hmm. This isn't about you and it isn't about judgment. It is only about giving that person the greatest gift you could possibly offer them. And that is the light and the compassion and the love of God. Mm -hmm. And anyone can do this. Don't have to have a divinity degree. Anyone, it's called the priesthood of all believers, can talk directly to God, can feel that light go through them on a profound level. And I have a, a client in North Dakota and her 17-year-old son took his life. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if I'd cross him over. And I said, yes, but it's going to be more meaningful if you do it. You're going to feel differently, I believe. And so she bucked up her courage and she did. And it was life-changing for her. And then a couple months later, she came back and she said, can you write a prayer for me that I can say for my son every day? I, he's crossed over and it gave me such peace. I couldn't believe it. And I said, yes. So I wrote the, the you know, for the prayer, the send to a loved one once they're crossed over. Yeah. And she says it every night. And she said, he can feel my love. And when I say that prayer, I can feel that I'm sending him so much love and compassion and it has massively mitigated my grief. I miss my son, but I'm not guilty. I'm not struggling and I'm helping every other person I can possibly help with this issue because it's, and by the way, it's accelerating right now. Uh -huh. So those are some things that you can understand about suicide. They're not judged. And here's the other thing that helped her a lot. Many times people who take their own lives have done this life after life after life. It's a pattern and they don't know how to break the pattern. And even though in this life, that person died, when you have crossed them over, you have given them the opportunity to have guidance and wisdom they didn't have before because they didn't cross over. Now in the next life, they may not take their life because of your spiritual service today. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people have such a heavy heart around like people who have been murdered. And I know that you have dealt with that also. If you could share a little bit of your wisdom um, in that area, that'd be appreciated. Again, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, on several occasions, I've uh, been to a group called Parents of Murdered Children. And I have had in the Navy, you know, people die in the Navy and sometimes they're murdered. And so I've had to talk to parents and family members of a murdered loved one. And it's never easy. And you can't say, gee, I'm so sorry for your loss. Because the problem is most people have no idea what to say, which is why I wrote a grief book. 
when someone is murdered, it lowers that soul's frequency to an enormously low level. It also means that they are surrounded in this darkness. I'm just, I would like to tell you it's different, but I'm not, I'm just going to tell you the truth. No, when you're talking about that darkness, you're talking about a lower vibrational frequency because of the fear, correct? The fear, the horror, Yes. And the dead grief, that's a, that's a concept most people have no idea. When someone dies, especially through murder, they're grieving their own death. Yes. I mean, oh my gosh, this happened to me. I am not going to get to do or see, and I am horrified. And this, this range of emotion that the living feel at their loved one being murdered are a thousand percent more severe for the person who was murdered. I'm not trying to exacerbate someone's pain, but I'm saying that that person is grieving, that person is in pain and crossing them over, send them an angel. Maybe you can't wrap your brain around crossing them over. Ask for angels of peace and calming, ask them to wrap them in golden blankets mm -hmm. of light from the divine and ask them to take that soul into the heaven world. Even if you don't think about a prayer, that is your prayer, your prayer mm -hmm. for their healing in the divine, because that soul needs enormous assistance. They're not going to get if they remain a ghost, because when someone is murdered, it drops their frequency to practically zero. And if the murderer is also killed at the same time, and we see this with shootings many times, the murderer is also one of the dead cross over the murderer because murderers can haunt the living and they can haunt the dead, the people they just killed. I wish I could tell you that's not true, but it is unfortunately true. So I have a prayer to cross over murderers and people might be, a lot of people upset with me over that. And it's like, remember something, that's not your job to judge them. If mm -hmm. you cross them over, maybe parts of their soul were shaved off maybe we go back to the 23rd psalm lo though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death which is by the way the fourth dimension i will fear no evil why would you fear evil you fear it because there are these horrible beings in the fourth dimension who come at you based on frequency mm -hmm. and so when you cross that person over you're using the horsepower of the divine to get them to this fabulous place and do you want to know how powerful this is? I'll give you a little story. At a, a client in Upper Washington State, not not Washington, New York State, and she said, "I need you to cross my father over. He was a convicted, executed murderer. I can't tell you how many people he murdered. It's horrible that that man was my father. I just need you to cross him over." And I said, "Well, you know, again, I can do that, but..." If you do it, you will take your power back from him. Because I would imagine that he has created enormous fear for you, embarrassment, shame, and humiliation. She said, you can't imagine. I said, you know, I can't. I cannot imagine it. But I want to give you a tool to get your power back from him. And, and she said, he keeps telling me to murder my daughter. Day after day after day, he haunts me night after night after night. 
kill her. She's four years old. And I, 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 it's horrible. I said, say this prayer. And if you still feel he's there, I will certainly help you. But I think you can do this. I believe in you. So I get about a week later, I get a phone call from her and she says, you're not going to believe this, but I, I crossed him over and I know for sure that he's gone. I said, so how do you know? She said, because my little girl says, mommy, the bad man's gone now. I think we're safe. Uh, because her four-year-old was psychic enough to hear what he was saying to her mom. That is a really powerful and compelling story. And in that vein, this is why crossing over that murderer helped the living. And it would have surely helped all of the people that he was haunting in death. And these people come back worse life after life after life because serial killers are born. They come in this way. People say, is it nature or nurture? I'm here to tell you, I've seen people who have had horrific childhoods and they had problems, but they didn't kill people. When someone comes in with no conscience, that part of them has been so shaved off life after life after life after life that you go back to the 23rd Psalm where it says, he restoreth my soul. If you want to be able to help these horrendously, these horrendous character disorders, these murderers, these sociopaths, the psychopaths, the character disorders, the narcissists to heal because they aren't ours to judge. You cross them over using the variety of crossing over prayers or just ask that an angel come and take them to the mm -hmm. higher realms. The correct realm of the heaven world in my father's house are many mansions. We don't have to decide where they go or the karma that they take with them. Because remember, just because you've crossed over someone who committed a heinous act, act does not erase the karma they created with the acts they committed. Mm -hmm. That karma goes with them. We're not born in sin. We come in with the karma we've created from past lives. And that karma has to be resolved. And thank God that's not my job. <laughs> you have higher beings that that's their job. But that soul will get what it needs to be restored. And that's one of the huge, huge reasons to cross souls over, especially mm -hmm. people who have taken their own lives and people who have committed horrible acts. Right, right. And I know these are subjects that um, are not just difficult to share, but they're very hard for a lot of people to hear because these events have affected their lives so deeply. And it's really beautiful to know that you have developed these prayers um, because as much as they do help the people um, to be able to cross over, they also provide a healing for the person who is helping them to cross over. And I think that's so, so important because many people um, who have experienced these types of events, it takes them years and years, if ever, to really move past something like that. And this is another tool that's available to them. So thank you for making that available. And I'd like to ask if you could, again, uh, share your website share how people can get a hold of you because there may be people who are in the very situations that you've talked about that really need some assistance. 
My website is ghosthelpers.com with an S, ghost helpers, because all of us who help the dead are helpers. And it's contact at ghost helpers can reach me. And I do lots and lots of podcasts. And there are many other podcasts on that. And all of my books are there. I've written eight books. I have two more coming out this year that um, are going to be helping psychic people mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. They're in editing now. So I'm, I'm hopeful I'm out this year. And I, I thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share some of the most powerful tools a mortal person can have. And just remember when you pray, you open your heart and soul up to the light of God, to the energies of Christ consciousness mm-hmm. on such profound levels that you grow on numerous levels and it changes you in the most positive way. And I, again, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share these tools. You have no idea well, what that means to me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. And ladies and gentlemen, you just heard from Tina Irwin. If you can reach out to her, um, if you have an issue going on in your home that you have heard her speak about, she's got plenty of books to help you walk step by step. The one thing I did want to ask you, uh, do you offer classes for people? I did it one time, but I... Mm-hmm. I- I don't. That's why I've written so many books. Okay. So I can go right. back to it over and over. I have books on frequency, soul evolution. I have books on grieving. Uh, I have several books on karma and three books on ghosts yeah. that help you understand what's happening in a huge variety of situations from premonitions to possession. Yeah. Well, great. Well, wonderful. So Whatever you're looking for, check out her books. And I want to thank you again, Tina, for being with us. I want to thank you, the audience, for watching us, whether you are on any of the CAN platforms or YouTube, if you're watching us on our phone app. And if you don't have our phone app, please go to your phone app store and you can download Conscious Awakening Network, and that way you can take us with you wherever you go. And you can also check us out on Spotify, on all the various podcasting platforms, as well as our television platforms on Roku, Amazon, Apple TV, and Android TV. But remember, first, you have to have that service. And second, you have to download the app in order to be able to just sit back, kick back, and watch all of this in the comfort of your couch. So we hope that you will join us however you join us. And until we are back together again next week, namaste. Much love, everyone. And we will talk with you soon. Thanks so much.